It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. One of the defining factors of music all throughout the 1990s was if you got too big too soon, then you were just done. And it was just so many different one-hit wonders. That's exactly what happened to Vanilla Ice, but it's still one of the... uh, the transcendent moments in hip-hop history. Well, not only that, Coulter, but first of all, I, I just want to give credit where credit's due. I don't care if you love or hate this guy. That is one of the sickest samples and bass lines For in sure. the history of hip- just music. Because even when Queen and its origin, that ba- it just rolls. That's one of the best. The other thing is the 90s were just sort of rem- reminisce of the 50s of just one-hit wonders. Yeah, like for sure. Back when it was like cassette singles, yeah. like you didn't sell your album, you sold singles. Right, right. And if you had a you know two or three one hits, you didn't need to sell an album. Right. So it was like the dawn of what it is now. Like you can have two or three good songs, your album could suck, but if you got two bangers, then right. you're good. <laughs> it is amazing though that that uh, that was the first number one hip hop song, hip hop song on the Billboard Hot 100. Yep. Because uh, you know. Back in the day, that came out, what, 1990, 1991? Yeah. There, there wasn't a hip-hop chart like there is now. No. It was just the Hot 100, and that was the first number one uh, song. It is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, and we will continue to chronicle it here uh, on Nuanas Now. Rajim Seabrook riding shotgun with me, Yo. Coulter Nuanas. Happy Friday. Hope you're having a great day. I drank a whole Lotus, so I'm doing great. Uh, Raj's got the uh, the Americano down. <laughs> so, so we're bringing the heat. If you miss anything in the first hour... Uh, to me, I think a solemn day. Maybe text us. Why is it so- what because is, because what is of wrong Oregon, with you? Oregon and Washington, man, going to oh, the to the Big oh, Ten? I thought because uh, it's like gray and no, no, overcast. That, okay, that's I was whatever. Like, what you, I, don't, yeah. I don't get down about things you can't control. Adversity only makes you stronger. I, I just I'm just saying that Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten is Dumb. Is, is not great. And uh, but maybe you have a different opinion. Text us four zero six eight 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 one zero two nine. What do you think of conference realignment? Uh, we also talked to Mason Deathman, who is the uh, incoming recruit from Freud, Montana, to the Montana State football team. We'll also give you an update on the Grizz roster update. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Uh, all right, here's the game. The g- we'll go back and forth. I'll say an NFL team. You'll say the the player that comes to mind very first, and then we'll discuss what that means about the team. Okay, see, to me, this isn't fair. Right. Because sometimes when you, number one, this is like almost like blindside junior. Yeah, yeah. Jerk. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the unfair aspect is sometimes I want to go historical reference. So, mm. like, if you said Chargers and I say LaDainian Tomlinson, mm-hmm. like, 
That no, just cur- so cur- so cur- it's got to be okay. Cur- so, see, so, thank you. I just cur- I need to know what boundaries and confines yep. I'm working no, within. Cur- thank you. Current players. Yes. Uh, so we'll just start easy. <laughs> New York Football Giants. That's Rogers' favorite team. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Uh, the first name I think of, believe it or not, Darren Waller. Wow. Darren Waller. Darren Waller is certainly uh, one of the, the big offseason additions in the NFL. Uh, I think Darren Waller could be one of the great addition, offseason additions in Absolutely. the NFL. He is a, uh elite talent. When healthy. When he- and he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, he's missed 20 games in the last three years. Um but when on the field, effective, uh, whose numbers have only been mirrored and, and eclipsed by Kelsey and George Kittle, respectively. Um, I think that this is the best, outside of Saquon, uh, the best athlete that Daniel Jones has ever had. Yeah. He, it's definitely the best receiver, despite the fact that he's a tight end. And if you watch any training clips, and I'm not saying this because I'm a homer for the Giants, like the the completions, the things that Daniel Jones is doing with the ball, um, it's it's due to Darren Waller, not yeah. necessarily due to Danny Dollars. I'm not saying Danny Dimes because the boy got paid. <laughs> but um, there's a there's there's something about Darren Waller and the professionalism that he's bringing to that room that improves the ilk uh, and quality of the receiving core for the Giants. I also think that it is indicative of the franchise because, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say Daniel Jones, and then we were going to talk about how you know he might be the factor to either get him over the top or the reason they can't get over the top. But I actually think that it's still to be determined what Daniel Jones could be only because he hasn't had any sort of real reliable receiving talent around him. It's been Saquon Barkley, and that's about it. They, that's it. I mean, Sterling Shepard is like the best receiver they've had in the last couple of years, and he's a very just average middle-of-the-road guy. They paid a bunch of money for Kenny Galladay, and he did nothing. Who? Exactly. Evan Ingram was fine, but not nearly what the hype should have been. Couldn't stay healthy. Wasn't utilized right. That's right. And then actually had a had a Pro Bowl season last year. Like for sure. Well, great, he also had a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Uh, but anyways, I do think it's indicative of the Giants. So that that's exactly yes. what I mean. I do think if Darren Waller blows up, that could be the thing that puts the Giants without a doubt uh, into playoff contention. Once yes, sir. Again. Uh, all right, name a team. I'll name a player. Uh, let's go. I'm, I'm going to go super obscure. Let's go Tampa Bay. Wow. Uh, Levante David is the first player that comes to mind for me, but the second player is Tristan Wirfs. This was one of my one. this was one of my smarter dubs for you. Tristan Wirfs was drafted out of Iowa as a right tackle, and that's exactly what he played uh, during the Bucks Super Bowl winning season when Tom Brady was still playing. They've since switched him to left tackle. Headline on ESPN today therapy. is that he's seeing a, <laughs> he's seen a psychiatrist. And, and hey, if you're seeing a therapist because you have any sort of issue in your life, I Power to you. Keep doing it. I promise you it's going to help you. But uh, I, I just thought it was sort of funny because it, it is. It's like something out of a, like, oh, yeah, you're getting switched to the blind side, so you actually need to get a psychiatrist to help you through it. <laughs> I laugh at that, not because of, the, like, the mental health aspect of it, but you're a professional athlete who's making a lot of money. Yeah. Like, and to, to, to publicly put that out there, I laugh because it's like, if I work at Burger King and I go from burgers to working on fries, do I need a therapist to help me with my transition? Like, come on, man. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, get with the program, baby. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that I, you know, I talk about their their inside linebacker. I mean, I, th- I do think Levante David's one of the best in the NFL. Oh, solid. If your best player is your inside linebacker, though, I don't really know. I mean, that's where we're at in the NFL. Having like the most fierce Mike linebacker in the league 
what does it actually mean? Because if you don't have the quarterback and the you know the other parts that are such a high priority in the league, unless your last name is Singletary, Ray Lewis, or Lewis, yeah. like it, it's a pretty moot point. Tampa Bay, though, I think could have an outstanding defense. So the fact that I think about their defense mm-hmm. first, I mean, they still got Vita Vea. They still have uh, Devin White, who's an outstanding nice. linebacker as well. Nice. Antoine Winfield Jr. is one of the rising stars among corners. Uh, they got Carlton Davis, the kid out of Auburn, who they drafted in the first round last year. Last year. So they have some, some guys. I also think they have a chance to be good up front as well on offense. It's going to come all the way down to the skill guys. Namely, quarterback. Baker Mayfield, can, Namely quarterback. can he actually handle it? Totally. They have a whole – they're going by committee with the running backs. That Fournette's out. Bye. They're just going to roll with a whole bunch of no-name guys. I mean, here's their running back depth chart. I haven't heard any of these guys. Rashard White. I have. Keyshawn Bond. Chase Edmonds, who's actually – I have heard of him because he's an FCS guy. Totally. Out of Fordham. And, uh, hey, Pat- Patriot League, baby. Patrick Laird. Uh, but then they still have great receivers. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is a good place to start. Mike then, Evans is nice. I mean, Kate Otten, uh, the tight end out of Washington, who the Grizzlies are very familiar with. He was one of Washington's best players when the Grizz won out there. Yes, sir. Uh, so, they, I mean, they got some, some okay talent. It's just a matter of uh, – how do you how do you break through? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if you can break through with. I'm not uh, sure. With Baker Mayfield. Let's go to Mike Evans really quick. Okay. Um, Hall of Famer? No, not yet. Buddy, check out his stats and let's have a conversation. His, his stats are really good. His, I, yeah, yeah. His stats are definitely really good. It, we'll, we'll see. We'll see by the end of it. We'll see what he does. Well, it's now ESPN Radio, a new game. We uh, we named an NFL team. What player comes to mind first? What's that say about the franchise? Let's go with the Denver Broncos. First name that comes to mind is Sean Payton. Is a non-player. That's um, a, that's that's really. I think that's an excellent uh, choice. That's why our brains love each other. Culture. <laughs> um, the the I, I go with Sean Payton over Russell Wilson because you have a new person at the helm who's trying to install a new construct and playbook, uh, and 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 he's already become an off-field distraction by running his mouth. Um, I think that teams usually are very reflective of their coach, good, bad, or indifferent. And right now, Sean Payton has not started off on the right foot. I also think that his team is is plays in the hardest division in football, professional yep. football in yep. the AFC West, and I think that um, you know. Right now, Denver's kind of staring out of the basement at everyone else above them, um, and I and 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 I just think that Sean Payton coming in needs to just kind of come in quietly and do do the work. Just do the work because uh, Russell Wilson had a huge drop off. Uh, De- Denver has some, has some really talented players, both veteran and, and more talented. They have a great little core of of of, of young players, but they just couldn't put it together uh, last year. And it'd be interesting to see what Sean Payton does with all his past accomplishments. Can he coach in today's game? I do think that the the change at the helm, regardless of Sean Payton's sort of brash way of being this off season. Nathaniel Hackett was as over his head as any coach I've ever seen in the NFL <laughs> last year. I mean, for real, your 10-year-old son is better at managing the clock. This dude didn't even know when to call timeouts. Time like, they, they're rushing plays in. Him and Russell Wilson are screaming at each other because they can't figure out what play to call. Like, I mean, th- this is like low-level high school stuff that these guys are really struggling with last year. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Nathaniel Hackett lasted the least amount of games in the history of the league. He's the only coach in the history of the league to get fired with almost a month left in the in his first, first year. That's crazy. That's totally crazy. Uh, so, and I, you know, and again, Sean Payton, you can talk about the ego and, and all the smack talk of this offseason, but... He still is a Super Bowl winning coach, and you know, just logistically, they're going to be able to like get in in and out of their stuff. 
better than they have. Been. Absolutely, but it'd be one of those things. You are you're, you're, Denver's coming off a really bad season. You're going to have to change the culture in the building. You know, starting from the head, per- John Elway down. So the fourth string water boy. I just think that that is a lot to try to do within a year. And if Denver was so quick to pull the plug on this guy, they may be quick to pull the plug going forward on anyone and everyone that comes into their graces. So uh, for me to answer your question, Sean Payton, now I'm going to switch and ask you about a certain team yeah. myself. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I'm going to go obscure again. Let's go Houston Texans. Wow. You're welcome. Or I'm sorry. I don't know where to begin with that. I, I, I know. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm racking my brain to <laughs> to even think of a player that plays for the Texans because I mean Davis Webb's the answer, but they drafted the kid out of Ohio State, the the uh, the the quarterback C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's going to be his job to lose. Um, I'm I'm gonna I mean here here's the deal the the first two guys that popped into my mind for the Texans was C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson out of uh, out of Alabama two guys that have never played a game for the Houston Texans period so I think that the fact that the first two guys that popped into my head were their first two draft picks this last year I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Houston Texans they are in full rebuild mode uh, oh but here's, like here's always rebuilding well here's the deal though they were sort of stuck. When they moved on from Bill O'Brien, then they were like stuck where they couldn't be bad enough to be bad enough to be bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Last year they were the worst team, one of the worst teams in the NFL, and uh, hands down, they have a chance to be one of the worst teams in the NFL again. And uh, I actually think that's good for them. I think if Houston bottomed out again this year and was like a three or four win team, and they got another top five pick, now you're off and running because you, you got now you got your cornerstones with your quarterback, your Edge rusher, maybe go get a corner or a tackle, and uh, maybe now you have somewhere to, to build from. But I think that pretty indicative of the Texans that uh, my first two guys I thought of were, uh, Rooks. were, were rookies. Absolutely. SpawnCon's coming up. 19th annual Spontaneous Construction hosted by Home Resource. Team registration happening right now at homeresource.org. Uh, to find out more, homeresource.org backslash SpawnCon. This is basically you just get together and you, you use a whole bunch of reused home uh, materials to build whatever you want. And the winners will be displayed at the Missoula Public Library. It's not happening until September, so you got a little while. But uh, act now, homeresource.org backslash SpawnCon. All right, uh, Green Bay Packers. The team, period. There's no individual. You... You know, outside of Brett Favre and Bart Starr, your all-everything quarterback for almost two decades is out of the building. How do you replace the mystique, the athleticism, the leadership, the guidance, the Super Bowl uh, ring, the playoff appearances? How does an organization rebound from losing such a central um, cog, uh, a central piece and a key cog in the machine known as the Packers? So for me, it's not about the individuals. It's how are the individuals going to respond to losing such an automatic... He was eight wins a year easy. Aaron Rodgers is worth eight wins, for eight sure. Win, eight wins yep. easy. So how do you replace the specter of, 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 of the man that's gone? Jordan loves the low-hanging fruit that pops to mind, but the first two guys I thought of actually are two guys that have been on this show before. Christian Watson, former receiver from North Dakota State, and Samari Torre, former, <laughs> former receiver from the Montana Grizzlies. So, I, I like that guy. Uh, yeah, fun, fun when you got uh, some uh, some local connections, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I I actually, you know, I'm an NFC North guy. Vikings are my favorite team, um, 
but I also don't hate the other teams in the NFC North because I just I don't I don't know I, I you hate all the other teams in the NFC East besides the Giants so, like you can't even stand to talk about the Cowboys and the the Commanders and the Eagles slumming see, I try not to see I just can't <laughs> see I just can't. Uh, Bring myself to to have any hate for the other teams in the division, mostly because the Packers are just like they're such a unique pro sports franchise, as such a tiny little town team, and then the, the Bears and the Lions are just irrelevant. Can I? And, and I mean, no offense to you or anyone with what I'm about to say. I think part of that is not growing up in a city or a state where you have a local team. No, that's right. To to literally right. sink your teeth into, like that's where right. I'm from, you come out and you are bleeding Yankee blue, Giants yep. blue. Like Knicks orange, like that's just yep. it. So when you don't it's, have that, it also is that the teams in the the division, the Vikings for whatever reason are like they're like non-hateable. Do you know what I'm saying? Like nobody hates the Vikings like they hate all the teams in the NFC East, or like they hate the Patriots or the Broncos or the Seahawks or you just on I'll give down you that. the line, right? I'll give you that. There's a couple in, of teams with, in the NFL like that. In the division, though, like the Bears and the Packers hate each other. Absolutely. For sure. The Absolutely. Bears and the Lions hate, hate each other. The Packers the Packers have been the cream of the crop in the NFC North for pretty much always, right? And then the Vikings have sort of been the number two team in the NFC North for pretty much always. The Bears have been good back in the day, but they haven't been good in a long time. For real. But the, the Vikings' hearts have been broken not by the teams within their division. That's why there's so much vitriol in the NFC East. They break each other's hearts, like weekend and weekend. And the stories, you know, from all the way from the '80s all the way through, so many of the most devastating losses came at the hands of each other. Truth, I can't really remember like some devastating loss the Vikings had at Lambeau or vice versa. The Vikings are always losing to like the Saints and the the Giants <laughs> and the Falcons and truth, all these other truth, teams. You truth. know, like all the most heartbreaking moments in Vikings history. They're never coming against the Packers or the Bears. They come in the playoffs because that's when the Vikings choke their life away. It's not. It's never against a team from their own division. Fair so. enough. Way to give me context. <laughs> Two of the Giants' biggest moments have come against the Vikings. Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, name a team. All right. Um, another team people tend not to hate, the Colts. That is actually very good. The Colts are like one of the least hated teams in the NFL as well. T- Let's before we answer the Colts question, and then let's go to the top five non-hated teams, okay. regardless. Because I, I I truly think there is five teams in this league that people tend not to hate, or like they're just indifferent. You don't love them, you don't right. dislike them. They're just kind of there. The Colts totally. are one of them. Uh, the the first player that pops to mind for the Colts is Jonathan Taylor, and that's Has because be. of that's because of the situation he's in right now. He wants to get paid, but he also doesn't want to be a Colt right now because he knows they have a 20-year-old quarterback in Anthony Richardson that's going to need uh, a booster seat. And I think Jonathan Taylor is smart enough to know that, hey, I don't need to go get a 400-carry season when I'm trying to get paid. Paid. So get me out of here so I can go get paid somewhere else. We'll see how it all resolves, but uh, certainly a a sticky situation. Okay, so who are the least hated teams in the NFL? The Colts have got to be up there. I think the Colts are up there. I think the Vikings are up there. I think the Arizona Cardinals are in the mix. Totally. I don't think anybody hates the Cardinals. Because the Jaguars are in the mix. Totally. No one hates the Jaguars. And the Jaguars have never broken anybody's hearts. No, no one cares. Carolina either. Panthers probably in there, too. They're still in the league? Oh, my bad. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. All, all, all of those teams are, are good front runners um, for it. Um, 
Yeah, I, the Dolphins. People. Yeah, not, maybe the, the Dolphins are probably another good one. Another. I would say the Dolphins are definitely one of those. Well, like, like go, let's just go through the, all the rest of the teams. I mean, the Patriots are one of the most hated teams in the league. I hate them. The New York Jets are certainly completely polarizing. The, Absolutely. The Buffalo Bills were everybody's favorite lovable loser, but now they're like a juggernaut. So totally. I think I'm sure there's plenty of people, especially in the Northeast, that don't like them. Cowboys are the most hated team in the NFL. Period. The, the Commanders are probably the second most hated team in the NFL. The Eagles are probably the third most hated team in the NFL. I mean, I would say actually the NFL, the NFC East, East is four of the ten most hated teams in the NFL. Without a doubt. Probably because they all hate each other so much, too. There's so much animosity. It's the same thing with the AFC North. They all hate each other, too. Absolutely. AFC West? The they AFC, all hate each other. For sure. Like The Chargers might be one sort of like right outside the top five of least hated teams, only because the Chargers have also been sort of pathetic uh Clutch or choke so, art, choke artists just like the Vikings. Seahawks are a team that's they, see. There's a lot of people that hate the Seahawks in Montana, man. Uh, see, I don't. Yeah. You want to know why? Because there's a lot of people that jumped on the Seahawks bandwagon, bandwagon in Montana. That's what happens when you punch those tickets too dang early. <laughs> that's true. Um, I don't know. Does anybody hate the Titans? I'm okay with them. The, the AFC South is this is the division that has the least vitriol. The Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Titans. Absolutely. Oh. The, the, that there it is. Those are the top four because they're not because they're yeah. they're not those old school rivals like the AFC and NFC North. Both those teams have yeah. all been in the same division forever. The Saints together. Mm, I think the Falcons and the Saints hate each other, so I think that that yeah, sort of disqualifies. Like, when Drew Brees was there, the Bucks. I think I think Tampa Bay hates the Saints and the and the Falcons. Just too. a just just a skosh, if you will. The, yeah, the, the AFC West though definitely hates each oh, other. Oh yes, the NFC West, the 49ers and the Seahawks absolutely hate, hate each other, other, and the Rams and the and the 49ers absolutely hate have a rival, each other. rivalry uh, too. Absolutely. Anything to add to this, Andrew? Are we missing any? What's uh, up? Oh, no, he's got go. that. All right, Nuanas now. ESPN Radio, SWX by Television, and ESPN. Uh, Empty app. All right, a couple more here. Name a team. Okay, 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 okay. Stop putting me on the spot. I hate this. Give me your one-shot synopsis on a player from the Niners. Oh, wow. Uh, th- that's a really good one, too. I think it's Trey Lance is the first Absolutely. guy that comes to mind because... Really? Not McCaffrey. Not McCaffrey. Not because, McCaffrey. Because if, if Trey Lance is what the Niners drafted him at number three overall to be, right. I think it completely changes the complexion of their team. They, Without a doubt. They run this unbelievably creative, run-oriented offense, and adding a running quarterback to that could be very, very devastating for opposing defenses. If Trey Lance doesn't work out, though... Then can Mr. Irrelevant have another magical run, or does he come back down to earth? Can Brock Purdy can carry the momentum? And if neither one of those work out, they also have another former top pick in Sam Darnold that's just been chilling, waiting for his time to actually play for a functional franchise. So I think Trey Lance, I think he's one of the biggest dominoes in the entire NFL. Because if he hits, the Niners are a bona fide NFC uh Conference champion contender. Period. That defense will get get them into a uh, get them into the Super Bowl on their own, and then just players Ayuk, Debo, and Christian McCaffrey. Like if, on paper, man, and if you look at their playbook, which is very intricate and like almost dizzying, um, the Niners are nice. In theory, for sure. Oh, the Niners are so nice. So nice. I mean, I don't know why I keep hanging on because I've I've already committed myself to this having no. No fan affiliation with any sport in the world anymore, except <laughs> so funny. The only thing I got left though is the Vikings, and I don't know why I keep hanging on because with the way pro sports are now, like everything is always in flux. But like the Vikings, Truth. the Vikings. I guess what I'm saying is, if I was to actually just pick a team based on what I like about football teams and how I want my team to play football, 
I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers. That's an interesting... They, they run hmm. the ball. They have a great offensive line. They got an offensive coach with swagger who knows how to score points while still controlling the clock. They I got, like it. They got a nasty defense. I like it. With, I mean, if you were to name like my 20 favorite players in the league... Nick Bosa, Love Fred him. Warner, Love and him. George Kittle are Fred all on Warner. that list. Fred Warner. George Kittle had a bad year last year, but, but off year, not a bad year. Sure, but Fred Warner is nasty. Nice. He, is, he is nasty, nasty. I like watching man. that guy run downhill, baby. For sure. So, uh, you know, I just I love the way the defense plays. I love how physical they play. I love the attitude they play with. I, I just, I'm high on the 49ers, man. I, I think that the Eagles are the NFC favorite, but I don't think that the 49ers are very far behind. No, their their big their biggest question mark is who who mans the helm, and uh, that is the way the team is going to live or die by who who's at that key position. No, I was out. ESPN Radio. More recruiting. Isaac Kime, Kalispell Glacier, incoming Grizz. Next, keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds, <laughs> okay, yeah. but we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. <laughs> He's not just the guy that gets thrown out of the screen on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, DJ Jazzy Def. Actually, one of the uh, the pioneering DJ types in the hip-hop world uh, back in the day. So I was now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, Rod James Seabrook, hey. providing hip-hop lessons for us. Uh, yeah, Jazzy Jeff maybe gets, uh, he, he became sort of a caricature of himself for his cameos in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> yeah. But he's actually like a, a very prominent, uh, or I guess influential person in the hip-hop world. Both, uh, influential and prominent. Yeah. Um, just one of the best DJs, but I, I would think the tomfoolery of his character on the show um, beguiled who he really was in real life. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the most actually really important song, believe it or not. One, it's a funny song, one of the best hip-hop like comical videos of all time. But more importantly, it was the um, the first hip-hop song backslash album to win a Grammy. Mm. So, uh, you know, hip-hop was really starting to garner a lot of attention and create its own genre and niche in the world of music, society, and culture. And, uh, yeah, the first, you know, like multi-winning multi Grammy award-winning rap artist, Will Smith and uh, Jazzy Jeff. The recruiting battle... Rages on, as always, in the state of Montana. We heard from Mason Deathman of Freud, who's committed to Montana State earlier this week. Now, let's hear from a young man from up in the Flathead Valley, Andrew Houghton, caught up with Isaac Kime earlier today. Well, it's been a big recruiting week for the Montana Grizzlies, and that includes the guy who's joining us now here on Nuanas Now. Just announced his commitment yesterday. It's Glacier Wolfpack tight end. Isaac Kime joining us real quick here just to talk about his commitment. Isaac, first off, thanks for being here with us today. Of course, of course. So let's just start here. I mean, how does it feel now to uh, to be committed? What were the emotions that you felt when you finally pulled the trigger and made the decision? Oh, it's all, I mean, it's always a great feeling to pull the trigger. I feel like it takes a little bit off your senior season a little bit. 
now I can just, you know, like play and just go balls out without having to worry about where I'm going next year, if that makes sense. No doubt, Isaac, part of a big group of commits for the Montana Grizzlies this week, including a couple other in-state guys. Isaac, just talk to me a little bit about how the recruiting process played out for you. When did the Grizz jump in and start showing interest in you, and uh, how did you arrive at the decision? They started showing interest to me early, or like late spring, kind of, like early, uh, middle of spring. And then they asked me to go to camp, and that's where I was at, and I went to camp. And then a few days after camp, is that's when I got my offer. For sure. And then after you got the offer, was it was it an easy decision for you to decide to commit to the Grizz? What were sort of the factors that played into you wanting to go to the University of Montana? Well, a couple factors were it's close to home. I'm only about two hours away. Um, I got a teammate, Cash Kokachia, who's going there. And then two other guys, Grady and Danny, and they're from Sentinel. And I've gotten pretty close with them, too. And I just thought, like, it's going to be great living with those guys for the next couple of years. For sure, yeah. As Isaac mentioned, the fourth in-state recruit for the Montana Grizzlies in the class of 2024 now joining his Kalispell Glacier teammate, Cash Gokachia, uh, as well as the Missoula Sentinel pair of Danny Sermon and Grady Walker. That helped a little bit, having those guys already in the boat and uh, having some local guys already committed, huh? Yeah, it does, for sure. What about your, your previous history with Montana? I mean, I know in this state you're always either a, a Grizz or a Bobcat fan. Was that you growing up? Yeah, I was a Grizz fan. I just fell in love with that stadium. It's just it's always a great experience. Yeah, I never ask kids who commit to the Grizz from in-state this probably as much as I should, but how does it feel now you getting the opportunity to play in that stadium that you've been to probably, you know, since you were a kid? Oh, it's just it's crazy. Great opportunity. I mean, even it goes back to even high school. I remember being on the sidelines as a kid looking at high school players, and they were just that one level up. It's just crazy. No doubt that's pretty cool. Isaac Keim, uh, tight end from out of Kalispell Glacier, recent commit to the Montana Grizzlies, joining us here on Nuanas Now. And Isaac, tell us a little bit about your high school career. I know you've battled some, some injuries. Is that right? Yep, that's right. I had a neck injury last year, which is a compression fracture, and I had to miss the first five or six games. And so, yeah, I only got a half season last year, and that was tough, but at least I got to still play. I got really fortunate with it. And then, yeah, that's pretty much all in my high school career. I mean, that is tough, though, because last year being your junior season, that's such a big year for recruiting. Were you worried that was going to uh, limit your opportunities when you got hurt? I did, yeah, for sure. How does it feel now to have, to have battled back through that? And I imagine that's sort of a tough injury, too. The rehab process, I don't know what that was like, but how does it feel to have battled back through that and now you, you know where you're going, you've got things settled for your college? It feels great. It's a great feeling. I got really fortunate. I, I didn't know if I was going to play football again. And just to be playing at the Grizz, that's just a great, great thing. Did you pick that injury up in, in summer camp last year, or, or what happened? Yep. Like, it was in our July camp. It's Isaac Keim from out of Kalispell Glacier, recent commit to the Montana Grizzlies, joining us here. Isaac, you guys are, are pretty stacked there up in uh, up at Kalispell Glacier for this upcoming season. We mentioned Cash Goikachia also joining you next year with the Montana Grizzlies. And Henry Sellers, your guys' lineman, just committed to North Dakota State. So three Division One prospects at least on one high school football team. How are you guys feeling for this upcoming fall season? We feel really good. We got a ton of starters back from last year. I mean, we've always had a great class going up through the years, like through middle school, elementary school, all the way up. And we knew this year was going to be special, so I'm super excited. 
how does it feel to be sort of going through the last ride one last time with that group of kids who, like you said, you've been growing up with for, for a while? Yeah, I mean, it's a sad thing to have, only have one more one more year of Friday Night Lights, but I'm super excited to get going. Yeah, Kalispell Glacier, 7-4 and four last year, bringing a bunch of talent back this year already with three Division One commits, the third of those three. Tight end Isaac Keim joining us here to talk about his commitment to the Montana Grizzlies. And Isaac, man, just anything else you wanted to mention about the recruiting process, your commitment, having the chance now to be down in Missoula next year? I just, yeah, I, I love the coaching staff. They were all awesome to me at camp, just really got me into the program and got me into the love in the community and all that. So yeah, at Montana, I love the coaches. I love the community. I love the whole program. Well, there you go. Isaac Keim, tight end out of Kalispell Glacier, recent commit to the Montana Grizzlies, taking the time here to join us just for a few quick minutes on Nuanez now. We'll continue to stay on top of all the recruiting news across the state as both the Grizzlies and Bobcats having big weeks out on the recruiting trail. So keep listening to Nuanez Now 102.9 ESPN Missoula for those updates. But Isaac, man, thank you for your time. Uh, good luck this fall season up there at Kalispell Glacier, and we're looking forward to seeing you here in Missoula next year. All right, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Also, thanks to Isaac Keim. And you can tell that guy's uh, California cool. Because he said, I can't come on live because I'm going parasailing. I'm, I'm in Cali right before fall camp, so just get a little vacay in. But uh, good kid. You could tell, uh, certainly a smooth operator up there uh, at Kalispell Glacier. So appreciate Andrew for providing that interview. Appreciate Isaac Kahn for making some time. Got a couple more NFL talking points. That's next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultylaw.com. One, two, three. What is now on ESPN Radio. We've played a lot of Lord Hill on the show, and so I pivoted and just played some Fugees, but Rajim's lesson on hip-hop in terms of the firsts, certainly uh, applicable here, and uh, the Fugees, of course, most prominently because of Lauren Hill and then Lauren Hill when she made her debut album after that album Amazing. came out a couple years ago or a couple years later uh, that was I believe the first album of the year 
by, by a hip-hop artist as well as, I believe, the first female hip-hop artist to totally. win a Grammy as well. Groundbreaking, right? and sadly, Lauren hasn't made an album since, <laughs> ironically. I know, crazy. Um, but yeah, a really important album, a really important time, and to me, uh, Lauren Hill is, you know, debate me, you know, argue with me. To me, he's the best female uh, MC of all time. Um, lyrically, flow, just content, context. Um, I'm trying powerful. to even think of who else would be a rival. Missy Elliott would probably be somebody that keeps Mi- you. Missy, Missy is definitely on the Mount Rushmore for yeah. female MCs. Queen, uh, Latifah. Queen Latifah, Moni yep. Love, MC Light, yep. uh, the original Roxanne, Roxanne Shante. Lauren Hill is so sweet because Lauren Hill is a, a, an unbelievable rapper, but she's also an even better singer. Yes, she, um, unbelievable talent. Yeah, Actor, right. I mean, you know, she, she can do she can rap she can the verse and sing the hook, oh, and son, you know, son. pretty good. Yeah, one uh, of the best. Rod James Seabrook, Ryan Shaka with us here on Nuanas Now. If you missed anything Let's in the go. show, all sorts of hip hop history, and it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop officially next week. Uh, 50 years of hip hop in America, pretty cool. There's an event going on down at the Hip Strip in Missoula from noon until 10. So you have plenty of time to get down there if you want to go uh, celebrate this. Uh, Awesome anniversary uh, here in the Garden City. Missed anything today's show? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store where their auger is all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Uh, text in from one of our great contributors and uh, also the guy that happens to be my brother, Brooks Nuanas, says, uh, <laughs> first of all, he says, Watch the Pac-12 completely crash, and the cats and the grills still not figure out a way to move up. Then we, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> then we were going back and forth, and he said, we should just scrap it all and just start a Montana conference. Let's get Montana Western, Montana Tech, Rocky Mountain College, Montana State Northern, Carroll College, Lewis and Clark, Idaho State, the Grizz and the Cats in the same league. Oh, man. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. But if yeah, it did, and we could just live in our own little Montana world, maybe, maybe that would be the best. I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> he's funny. I like that. I, that, <laughs> it, that. It's cheeky and it's witty. And yeah. uh, if if we're not careful, that's also a foreshadow of things to come. Uh, for so sure. For sure. Let, let's not will it into manifestation. All right. Let's keep playing our game. I name the team. Rajim names the player. We break down the uh, the prospects for the team based on the player, uh, or I guess based on that sort of perception. Kick it. Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh. Let's go with Mr. Kenny. My hands are the size of Smurfs. Pick it, right? Uh, <laughs> this poor guy. You have the smallest hands in NFL combine history for a quarterback, and that's the only thing people seem to be able to talk about. He was actually fine uh, last year. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm at with Kenny Pickett. Uh, m- me either. And when he finds his index finger on his left hand, let me know because it <laughs> looks like a pinky. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, to me, the, the second – Third and fourth year for a quarterback are so, so instrumental for growth and development. Um, I also think that his success will equate to Tomlin staying in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I think right now Tomlin's in a little gray area, and Kenny Pickett is either going to be his ticket to remain there or will be his ticket to punch him out of Pittsburgh. The other thing that the, the Steelers, I mean, luck is a huge part of the NFL season every year. Absolutely. The Steelers had, unbe- I mean, 
And in the NFL, in a salary cap sport, all injuries are not created equal. No. T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward are the two best players on the Pittsburgh Steelers, period. Hands down. And they both had season-ending injuries Horrible last year. Injuries. Like, when T.J. Watt, I mean, he is your guy. He, he is the guy you're paying the most, most money, money. And he's the guy that's, you know, one of the NFL's best defensive players. And you are the Steelers, so you have a defensive identity. So when you don't have the, the pieces, that hurts. The, the Steelers... It's like trying to play chess without your three pawns right. in front of your king. The Steelers were the were the premier defensive franchise in the NFL for probably 30 years, maybe even 40 years. Then they sort of seek, sneakily were an offensive team, even though everybody still thought of them as the black and yellow. But like during the height of that Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell era, they were actually putting up all sorts of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they sort of gone back to the defensive side. I do think that's way more applicable to sort of their brand. But they just need to get... I mean, they got a couple pieces in, in Hayward and Watt. They traded for Bickett Fitzpatrick a couple of years ago. He's a great player in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And they drafted Joey Porter Jr. I like him. They also got Pat Pete. Does Patrick Peterson have anything left in the tank? We'll see. But uh, I don't think that the Steelers' division championship or playoff hopes should be staked solely upon eight-inch hands. No, uh, I, I, I don't because they aren't big enough to carry the burden. Sorry, they had to go there. Dad joke of the day, but I'm bummed. I know they're 40-year-old dudes laughing their tuckuses off right now. I got to love it. Um, yeah, I just I just think that the quarterback is the most polarizing uh, uh, position in sports, all of sports, uh, let alone football. And Kenny Pickett is in high need to kind of carry this team over offensively because defensively, once they have all their pieces back, I think are pretty solid on that side of the ball. But as with any offense, if your quarterback is meh at best, then you're going to be meh at best overall as a as a team and an organization. So to me, Kenny Pickett, uh, backslash uh, Mike Tomlin are the uh, are, are the names that first come to my mind uh, when you mention the Steelers. Name a team. I'm coming, brother. Let me say, let's go the Bengals. Bengals. Uh, the first thing I think of is Achilles. Not, because, the, because not the Greek Joe, warrior. Because of Joe Burrow. But uh, seeming more and more likely that it's not that. They, uh, the Bengals haven't signed anybody no. yet, which I think is indicative that it's not torn. I was very, very uh, convinced that it was, but it, it, maybe not. They also do have a guy that started some games in the NFL, and Trevor Simeon. By no means a world beater, but uh, a fine, I would say, backup. Adequate. He was okay with the Broncos. Okay. He's actually probably the best quarterback the Broncos have had in the last six or seven years, though. Because, I mean, since Peyton Manning retired, Paxton Lynch experiment went (laughs) went horribly bad. Only Uh, thing good came out of Memphis was Penny Hardaway. Case Keenum did nothing. That's okay. Uh, Okay. Russell Wilson did Russell Wilson was awful last year. He was the best quarterback to come into the house in the last couple of years, did not have a good year, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do think, though, if Joe Burrow is healthy, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the five five best contenders for the Super Bowl. I think that the Bengals are the only team that's proven they can go beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. And, uh, I mean, if I was handicapping the Super Bowl field, I'd say the Chiefs are the favorites, then the Eagles, and I'd probably say the Bengals are third if Joe Burrow is healthy. Really? You're, you're, so, so would... Is Buffalo right on the outside of that? I think 49ers and Buffalo are the other okay. two that are in that okay. top five. I think those okay. are the primary five Super Bowl contenders. I agree with that. Totally. All right. New Give England New England Patriots. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go tangential and talk about clouds, the cumulative. I hate the Patriots. Mac Jones, you got to start. You got to start. I mean, you there. have to. You have to start there. Mac Jones has, has got to, you know, he had an okay rookie season. 
He has shown flashes of great potential, uh, to, to, and and I, I don't know. Is have, have they maximized on his talent skill set? Like, is 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 well, what you see? Had, what you get? The fact that they had a high school defensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator, coordinator last year is uh, questionable. I don't really know how Belichick did that, or like what the rationale for that was. But that's not the case anymore. They hired Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator Which of the offseason. Thank you, Bill O'Brien is a bristly guy that I don't think has the personality to be a head coach. But if he's just calling the offensive plays, I think he's a dang good offensive coordinator. I think it's a good call, which means that Mac Jones should so- show some improvement in maturation, but. I mean, what is this, year four for Mac? Yep. And the the, the body of his work is just, it's incomplete at it, best. It was good right right off the bat. I think it was surprisingly good right off the oh, gates. The rookie and year then was great. was okay and then sort of regressed. And uh, so uh, I guess this is year three, actually, for Mac year Jones. Year three, but okay. He was, he was certainly not as good in year two as he was in year one. No. Threw for about 900 less yards and threw for seven less touchdowns and had a quarterback rating about 14 points uh, lower. All right, give me one more. The Motor City Lions. Oh, baby. Um, Dietz, uh The uh, Amon Ra. Well, uh, Amen Amon Ra. Uh, yeah, the uh, the receiver. He's good. He's, he's, he's filthy. Uh, he's super sweet. Uh, I love his story, too. Yeah, good one. Um, Amon Ra St. Brown. Brown. Yeah. Amon uh, Ra St. Brown. Half Muslim, half Catholic. And he... Uh, he He's from a sports family. His dad was a bodybuilder. There's yes, a great, great story about he and his brothers all working out with their dad and how much they loved it. And uh, I don't know, though. I think that I only thought of him because I was re-watching the NFL Hard Knocks from last year on the Lions, and he's just one of the, my favorite characters Feisty. in there. And, uh, characters are good. So worker. he was just the one that was, you know, sort of off the top of my, my, my mind. But I, I think that the Lions are going to have to deal with the fact that they're not going to surprise anybody. Last year, they they sort of rose up and had you know their first good season in twenty Forever, years since Barry Sanders was there, and uh, now everybody's going to be or Calvin Johnson actually. Everybody everybody's going to be ready for him this year. I but, think they have an easy path though. Like when you look at the three other teams in their division, like the Packers are going to have a down year. The Bears can't get it together, and your Minnesota Vikings are the masters of mediocrity. They're, like, just, they're just all right. Yeah, like the, coming off an eleven win year last year, but uh, certainly, uh, yeah. I mean. You're right. You're you're totally correct. So we'll see. Give me one more on the outro. Give me one. Una mas, mi hermano. Seahawks. 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 Gino. Gino had a great year last year. Best year ever, in uh, fact. Of, of his career. Yep. Um, Got to see if he can build off of that. I liked what Pete Carroll was able to do around him. Yep. Um, made him look like Russell Wilson, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that he has a, a, a golden opportunity to further de- his development and his career there. I liked what I saw. He had a lot of moxie, and I liked what he was doing on the side. Like, if you watch him as a leader on the side, to me, sometimes that's more important because your leader transitions to your play. So, Geno Smith, baby. Back at it on Monday, Grid Start Fall Camp. We'll have full impressions for you, plus much more. We'll see you then. This has been Nuanas Now at ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. 
and uh, I saw some kids running around with I their shirt it. on, and it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you, but when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that, but... um. You know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just want to make sure uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time.